Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining us on episode number 90 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today's guest is Ian Simpson. Ian's been a professional poker player for close to a decade now, and in that time, beyond being able to make a living from the game, he's also made a name for himself as a successful content creator, namely on Twitch, where he's amassed an audience of about 11,000 followers. He's long been a beloved ambassador representing online poker brands, and most recently, he signed a new deal to rep 888 Poker. On this episode, we'll dive a little deeper into Ian's career at the felt, learn more about his life away from the felt, and in general, get to know him a little better. Ian, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Good to hear your voice, and it's good to see you. Uh, you know, we were remarking just before we started here of like, you know, we're familiar with what each other has done in the poker space, but we've never yeah. gotten to have a conversation before. It's nice. Yeah, it's a, you know, modern technology lets us have sit-down conversations face-to-face over thousands of miles. It's wonderful. Thousands indeed. Well, I know I'm coming to you guys from Israel as usual. Where are you coming to us from today, Ian? Uh, the northeast of England, just outside Newcastle. Northeast of England. So that's not yet Scotland. Not yet Scotland, but a stone a stone's throw away. A stone a Stonehenge throw away from Scotland. Yes, exactly. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So let, let's just sort of jump right in. Uh, and I think this is obviously, you know, anyone who is part of your audience, your tribe, knows you from Twitch and everything you've done. They know the background, but a lot of folks are not necessarily familiar with your story. But one thing I, I found particularly intriguing, you know, obviously you were not always a professional poker player. You used to be a teacher. So I want to hear a little right. bit about that pre-poker teacher life and grind. What was that like for you? That was amazing. I used to love it. I was um, I finished university. I don't know what year. Couldn't in my head. I couldn't remember what year. Um, and I had a year where I was completely lost. I didn't know what to do. Oh. I ended up getting an I ended up getting an office job and absolutely hated it. Wow. It wasn't for me. It, and it, the the yeah, the office environment wasn't for me. It might have been the office itself, but I couldn't couldn't sort to, couldn't reconcile with it. Um, after about five months, I said, "Okay, I'm going to have to do something else." Um, and they they actually made me redundant just as I was about to hand in my notice, so I got a month's wages for there free, you go. which is very <laughs> which is very nice. Which is the good, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, got a free paycheck, and then I said, "Okay, let's try teaching." And I and you know what? I absolutely loved it. Um, it was it was 70 hours a week. It was hard work, but I did absolutely love it. Uh, yeah. Let, let, let's take one step back then. So what had you studied in university? What did you think originally was going to be the plan? Uh, biotechnology is what I studied, and I didn't have okay. much of a plan. I just knew I, okay. I just knew I enjoyed and loved biology and loved science. Okay. Um, after, <clears throat> but I, I'd never formulated a plan for after the, after the course, if I'm honest. It's was, not, it's not you're not the only one. A lot of folks, I remember myself also, I remember I'm like, I'm good at being a student, but what do I do? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny you should say that because Dara Carney made the analogy that Polga's it's not like a job. It's like being a student. It's like being a university mm. student. Sure. If you treat if you treat poker like a university course, that's a pretty good approach to it because you know the people who study are the ones who are successful. Sure. You, know, that's, you, can't that's, just, yeah. you can't just glide through it like you maybe could at, at high school. 
Yeah, certainly true. Uh, obviously, of the professional players who who make a living yeah. from it, but uh, yeah. you know, for for recreationals as well. You know, the more you study, generally speaking, the more you tend to succeed. And, and right yeah, away, man. you gave the the shout out to Dara. He is a <laughs> Cards Chat ambassador, so we got to you know mention that he was on episode nineteen uh, here. Uh, you know, this is number ninety. <laughs> we didn't. Back to we didn't 19. even plan that. We didn't even plan that. That was just yeah. Nice. Not that they know. Not that they know we plan the checks in the mail from Dara, though. I'm not I'm not supplying that one. Um, so when you moved into teaching, then it's an interesting sort of pivot. Did you end up teaching science and biotechnology or was it other subjects? Um, well, I, I was a supply teacher for a year. So I actually taught like loads of stuff. Um, I I taught, obviously did a, a lot of science, mm-hmm. um, but they, they had a, a couple of staff who were on who are poorly or on long-term sick, so they knew and they they, they saw I've made a relationship with the kids, so they said, oh, we'll stick around uh-huh. and we'll have you for longer. Um, so I taught I taught religious studies, I taught history, I taught geography, I taught math. So like a, a homeroom substitute teacher in a way, yeah? Kind of, for a year. Uh-huh. And then a position opened up in the science department and I jumped right on it and, uh, and joined the science department and taught biology full time, which is, you know, which is science is my my love you know that's pretty it's, cool it's fantastic so yeah. what ages and grades are we talking about oh naughty teenagers the best ones <laughs> i see uh, yeah the sort of uh what 12 to 18 that that's fascinating because to jump from the office life into a very different kind of pool you know did did you like kind of instantly like what have i done like what, what's yeah, I loved, it. loved really? it from the first minute yeah okay and why is that ordered. i just did I, I i don't it's hard to articulate why it was you know helping kids make the best of the situations they were in whether that mm-hmm. be good or bad because it was it was a a, a school in a chat in a load in a challenged area shall we say uh, right so a lot a lot of a lot of different backgrounds some kids coming from not very much at all some mm-hmm. kids more affluent and you know you had the whole you hold the whole spectrum kids who had two loving parents with stable jobs to sure. kids who uh, had one grandparent as a right, right. and everything in between. Well, that's a pretty big thing to be able to to make a tangible difference uh, in their lives. And I know, like we all, I'm sure you, all you of make, us, you know, listening, you, you back, make, think back. You make me want to quit poker again, dude. Oh, <laughs> no, you make no. me think about go back to it. Well, but we will sort of get into that transition momentarily because I do have, you know, obviously, a, you know, a couple of follow-up questions there. But sure. I'm sure all of us have those teachers we sort of look back on fondly. It's like, you know, this one made a difference. This encouraged me to, to go out and get it or to believe in myself or that sort of a thing. Teachers are underrated, uh, definitely underpaid. Uh, we, all, we all know that. So got to yes. respect your teachers. Massively. My wife's still a teacher. So she's an assistant head of the school now. And uh-huh. I but I still see firsthand how hard teachers work. So I'm, I'm always reminded, yeah, these guys are the ones who are, you know, yeah. The, 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 like, a, I think it was a quote on a program called The West Wing, that teachers are the silver bullet. If you, mm. if, you, if you invest heavily in education, all of society's problems can be fixed long-term or at least mitigated long-term. I certainly believe that. Also, West Wing, yeah. shout out, Aaron Sorkin, great show. Love it. Big, I, I big got fan the, of I got the D- My father's given me the DVDs, but I haven't watched it yet. I just know, I've just seen that quote about education. Too busy it's playing so poker. I see you got that poker table in the background yeah, for man. those who are just listening. Ian's got that great table. <laughs> How often do you utilize that table at home? Well, it hasn't been used since before COVID. Really? Yeah, so you, yeah. Do you used to have um, a home game? 
He's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's it hasn't changed since high school. It's five pence, ten pence blind. No uh, kidding. Yeah. Same yeah, group yeah, of yeah. people. Uh, a lot of them, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that that definitely dovetails into the how did you get into poker? How did that become part of your life? Uh, You know, stories. When I was was five years old, we went on a. My family went on a holiday to uh, the Lake District in the the northwest of England. And uh, for those of you who live in the north of England, you know what the weather is actually like. Uh, So going on holiday in the north of England. You kind of stay indoors a lot. If you... <laughs> so rainy day at the caravan site, we uh, my dad just picked up a deck of cards and taught us five card draw, and we absolutely loved it. A lot of us, and um, we we got a bag of pennies uh, and started playing play money, but with the pennies, sharing right. the pennies out and getting, getting the pennies back in. As soon as we got home from the holiday, and to our friends, and then we started playing for real money. Maybe when I was fifteen or sixteen, we found uh, Texas Hold'em on uh, on the TV, Book uh-huh. Night Live, that kind of thing. Because <clears throat> we were playing five card draw, like one penny right. handy. And then my friend said, "Hey, I saw this on the TV. Let's try Texas Hold'em." And we did, and obviously we loved it. Uh-huh. Although back then, back then we um, we were watching it and we were saying, "What are they doing? What's this? What's this nonsense about pre-flop? You've got two <laughs> cards. You've got two cards. How can you make a decision with only two cards?" So we didn't play any pre-flop action. We played an Andy. You get your two cards and the three community cards. Interesting. You go from there. Yeah. So you excelled at post-flop play is what you're trying to say. Well, yeah, because it was everyone VPIP to 100%, you know? Everyone. Right. (laughs) It's almost almost like everyone limped in the big blind checks and then you go. That's where we started the game. A lot of us mixed game players, we still wonder what you're supposed to do with only two cards to start. Right, just just yeah. pointing that out. <laughs> at, at what point did uh, you sort of graduate from, okay, you know, we're playing you know, for real money, but not, you know, anything serious to poker becoming more a part of your life? As, as soon as I was able to get an online account and go to the local casino, okay, I, I, jumped, I jumped in. Uh, ran really good. I must have ran good because I was playing, must have been playing terrible. Uh, ran up, ran up some money. I actually didn't need a part-time job at um, for my last year of the university because of the the money I'd made wow. playing cards. Okay, uh, so that was handy. And then I played recreationally just because I, I obviously once I became a teacher, I had very little time to play right. cards. Well, seventy uh, so, hours a week in the you know in the classroom yeah. and prepping for it. So I guess it's yeah, good relaxation. Exactly. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know about relaxation. <laughs> it's a pretty intense game at times. Okay. <laughs> um, no, it, 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 yeah, it's intense relaxation. <laughs> yeah, but you weren't you weren't playing it to make a living at that point in your life, though. But no, you were no, attacking it seriously. The the biggest thing that sort of got my got my heartbeat going was satellites getting the mm-hmm. chance to qualify to a live event. So mm-hmm. I qualified for some live events and made trips to like Nottingham and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then in 2012, I won a package for the Irish Open. Right. This is, how, this, is how, this is how my professional career started. Yeah. Because the organizers at the time had a hundred thousand euro prize for whoever lasted the longest out of all the online qualifiers. Uh-huh. And I got fourth. And I got fourth. Yep. But this hundred, but this hundred thousand additional prize, 50k of it had to be on live buy-ins. There was no negotiating that. So you were basically forced to sort of go pro? Because I, well, I, I looked at the, the teaching calendar and I looked at the poker calendar and there was no way to spend 50K in buy-ins right. outside in the teaching holidays. 
because the poker tournaments weren't running during the teacher holidays, except the Irish Open. That's why I went to it. Right. It was one of the big live events that mm -hmm. I could play because it was during uh, the, the Easter Bank holiday. Hmm. Uh, so I had to decide. I decided between this 50K in tournament buy-ins or my teaching job. How do you make a decision like that when you love teaching so much? I, I that, how do you? Because I love poker too, and this yeah, is, you know, this was playing poker. This wasn't just playing poker in my in my man cave or my living room. Or whatever. This is right. playing poker in 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 Latvia, in the in the Bahamas, in in Ireland, in Germany, France, anywhere, all over the world. So I talked to my colleagues at work. Yeah, I talked to my father. I talked to my mother. I talked to my wife. I talked to well, my girlfriend at the time. So right, I right. And I just talked to everyone and I decided it was too big an opportunity to miss. So, so I'll, I'll dive in, I'll go for it for a year and then I'll go back to teaching. Um, but then there was a little snag because after a year, I I, I had the 50K in buy-ins and I turned it into about 30 grand, mm -hmm. um, which not bad at all, really. It's real money, yeah. Play, yeah, and like playing, I, I mean, I was, I, I was playing 5Ks for God's sake. Yeah. I was just, I was, I was just directly <laughs> buying into an EPT. Uh, which they, at the time they must have been fucking loving. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they would have hated how well I was running, but they would have, yeah. Um, but I had one tournament left, which was the Irish Open again. Oh, yes. In, in, 2000, in 2013. And I went uh -huh. and won the thing. Yep. So, uh, so I guess the decision kind of makes itself for you in a way. And then I, yeah, then I thought, okay, I can do this. Um, so I got two ridiculously good scores out of one satellite qualification into a live event. Uh, and then I never look back. Uh, I just I just continued doing it. How about you as a plan? Obviously, like you said, you know, it, for, for, for heaven's sakes, you're playing 5Ks, buying in. You know, obviously we understand how, you know, like we understand the how as, as, you, as you fill this in. Yeah. But going from, like, there's got to be some sort of a mental progression you've experienced beyond, okay, I'm getting better at this game. But to quickly, so super quickly be playing for such higher stakes how yeah. did how did that happen over what period of time and what, what was that period of time like for you as sort of starting out as a professional, basically jumping in the deep end? Yeah, it was pretty magic because because even just satellite satellite qualifying into a big event is a big deal. Uh -huh. um, but I don't I don't think I played as scared money. Um, ah. I, don't, I I think I just had this disconnect in my head with the money. It, it wasn't. It was just. They were just chips, you know. That, right. Uh, I, um, and like, you just make the best decisions you can with the chips you've got in front of you. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm I'm a lot more respectful of money nowadays because uh, it's very hard to get a hold of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot. And a, yeah, it's very it's incredibly hard to get a hold of. Yep. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'd love to go back in time and talk to that young man and say, "Dude, you're you're playing a five k buy-in poker tournament. A, a month ago, you were playing a fifty pound buy-in poker tournament. Do you see what's happening? Do you understand right. just how? Do you understand how ridiculous a transition your life's in right now? Mm -hmm. uh, I'd I'd love to go back and ask him and how, ask how he's feeling because I can I can barely remember. It it feels like a it feels like a dream. It feels like it was someone else's life. That's pretty. That's pretty cool to be, you know, to able to be able to reflect on that now, almost almost a decade later, and also, like you say, want to talk to that young man. Obviously, you've uh, yeah. grown tremendously as a human being, as a poker player, um, 
And yet you've mentioned that, you know, it's been the same since high school, that poker table behind you. How could you be playing those big buy-in events and all of a sudden you switch your career from a very conventional, if not nine to five, but 70 hours a week of teaching, you become a poker player who, you know, I hate to use this phrase, but it is true, is your fate to a large degree depends on the turn of a card. You know, no matter how well you study and how skilled you are, you have that. And yet you're still playing the five pence, 10 pence with your friends. How did that work? The five pence, 10 pence with my friends, it's almost, it's almost sacred because you, I I have the hunger to play big games. I get really excited when I get to go and play live and play for a a 1k event or even bigger, you know, now and then. Mm-hmm. But if we if we tried to raise the buy-in increment in the home game, that would have priced a few people out. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the home game wasn't about taking each other's money. The home game was a, about getting a bluff through on your friends. The right. home game was about about sharing this new bottle of whiskey I bought. It was about you know you know having a laugh, joking about old times and stuff like that. So the 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 money had to be not. It had to be almost infinitesimal. It had to be to an amount where there is money involved because poker has to have money involved for it to sure. be poker. But also it had to be small enough that no one would fall out with each other. Like if, if we lose a tenner to each other, there's not going to be any animal. For sure. Yeah. And that, that's pretty cool that you maintain those same friendships. I mean, they've obviously, now they get to play with the great, you know, Ian Simpson, whereas before <laughs> they were playing just with, oh, you know, our buddy Ian. How, how do yeah. they feel about your progression uh, as a professional <laughs> poker player, having witnessed it from you know from from the beginning? Yeah, they're all incredibly supportive. Um, I mean, they used to make fun of me because back then I was <laughs> I was devouring poker books. Okay. Uh, this before before the good things happened, I was I was I, I've I've still got them on my bookshelf here, like Harry on Hold'em and uh, winning poker tournaments one hand at a time. These yeah. these amazing books books. I was devouring them and they were laughing saying, Oh, it's just, a, it's, it's luck. You can't, there's no skill. What are you talking about? And then they, and then like my, my friend posted on Facebook, like after it happened, shit, I really wish I'd read them books that my, that my friend was reading. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Do, do they ever uh, have a little bit more of a vested interest and in, in, in get a percent or two when you, when you play the bigger events? Uh, I've sold action in the past and people have bought, but Unlike most poker players, I don't typically sell. I sell occasionally, um, but I typically, I don't know. I feel like ego comes into poker a whole lot. I was thinking about this when I was looking at the World Series schedule because I'm mm-hmm. flying out there in a couple of days. And the, it, there's one day where there's a 400 event at the Aria. There's a 1600 event at the Venetian. There's a two and a half K event at the MGM. And I can just picture the tables and I can picture the people selling action to be able to play the 1600 and i'm just thinking to myself why not play the 400 you don't you're not you're not beholden to any backers that way obviously sell if you sell at a market it helps with the variance and i get Mm -hmm. that but people will play the 1600 on that day and i think that's a mistake even if you if you bankrolled for both both i think the 400 is going to be the way to go because you're edging the 1600 i think it's going to be pretty reggy um and I'd rather not sell action, play the 400, and have probably the same hourly, I think, or very similar hourly, because every, all the egos are going to go to the to the Venetian to play the 1600 or the MGM to play the 2500. That's interesting. Like, obviously, I'm not a, a professional poker player, but the way you're talking about it reminds me of how I used to try and compare 
you know, getting an A in a regular course versus a B in an honors course. And there is oh, a debate, right? right? Like yeah. what, what matters more? Is it more that you're, you know, I, I'm wondering to you as well, like, is it, you know, like say it's, it's more heavily reggae or is it more important to have the larger or full piece of yourself or to challenge yeah. yourself, you know, in that 2,500 and maybe yeah. the players are like, Uber 10. what what is it that helps you make those decisions of, you know, which one you are going to, sort of jump into and what would you advise others also who are you know not yet as far along in their professional career how to make those decisions yeah game selection is so important and mm. i've had the privilege of playing some games where the lineup has been insane like i've been at tables where there's been like two or three well, let me try and pronounce it is it rettenmeyer and rankenmeyer yeah there's a bunch yeah. of you know the German, like yeah yeah but there's, bias, there's a few yeah. of them with, there's a few of them with Surnames beginning with R that are really long. I do apologize. That I'm not <laughs> right. And I and I found myself at a table with four of these surnames. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and I also had Simon Deadman and Sean Dee. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. I, and, and, and it was great. I loved it. But you're paying a high price for that privilege. Yeah. Uh, game selection is important. In tournaments, I got thrown into that. I would not pick that table. It was mm -hmm. great to play with those guys and to be able to chat with them and because they're lovely, lovely to chat to. Mm -hmm. That was fantastic. But I wouldn't pay money to sit at that table ever mm -hmm. if I can avoid it. I'm 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 gonna play the 400 quid at the aria. <laughs> so it's, that, that's it's not that, a bankroll. It's right. game selection. It's important. If you want if you want to to battle with egos and you've got the money, do it, do it. Do it. I'm gonna go make money. <laughs> okay. So obviously, you know, there is a difference moving up from you know the absolute penny stakes as you've done to the stakes you're yeah. currently at versus the stakes you're currently at to higher and higher levels, the 2,500 buy-ins, the 5Ks, the 10K up, the 25K and up. What are sort of like the difference makers in your mind that enable you to say, okay, you know what? I've reached a certain point. Is it skill-wise, bankroll-wise, or something else that says, okay, you know, I'm ready to move up to the next level or shot take and hope that I could move yeah. up more permanently? What are, what are those factors? So yeah, I think a lot of poker players are hungry to move up stakes. I, I know I have been, and I and I do get FOMO occasionally if I see a tournament that's just a little above my average buy-in. I think mm. well, I could, I could justify that. If you're going to shot take, like everyone will have their own financial position. <clears throat> like if you're going to shot take, you've got to one know exactly where your bankroll is. Two, you need to know where the bills are coming from. You need mm. the kids need new the kids need new shoes. The wife needs a, a date night. Of the significant other, whatever, uh, you know, the, the cupboards have to be full of food. And then you've got money left over, you've got your bankroll. You can do whatever you want with it, as long as all those other things are in place. If you have a, a monthly wage, you can top up your bankroll if you want to. If you don't ever want to do that, you've got to be a lot more conservative with your play. When it comes to picking shot takes, I typically want a good reason to do so. Um, so if there's a lot of satellite tournaments to the target event that's great because that bulks out the the field with players who wouldn't directly buy in for that stake that makes the game softer uh -huh. i want to see overlay i want to see added money or i just want to be you know have a healthy bankroll and be feeling good all those factors come into whether i decide to play a game that's bigger than my normal buy-in or not so that sort of advice is obviously very detailed and coming from a world of experience that you've had over the last few years I'm wondering to what degree, if at all, is it also influenced by the fact that you used to have a real job, 
right? Right. And obviously, you know, there's one obvious factor in that, you know, someone who's single, unattached, and only has themselves to worry about, no other dependents, sure, definitely other concerns, but even so, you still got, you know, make sure that utilities are paid and all that other sort of stuff. But, yeah, you know, that whole real world experience, you know, non-poker world experience that you had, does that influence yeah. your... Um, your thought process, your decision-making at all when it comes to bankroll management and moving up? I'd like to think, I mean, I definitely got a lot out of my development as a human for having been a teacher for three or four years. Mm -hmm. um, specifically for bankroll management, I, I can just see how hard it is to get money because mm -hmm. it is damn hard. Even for even for people who look like it isn't hard, it is damn hard. I, mm -hmm. I, maybe, maybe the, I mean, there'll be exceptions to every rule. So I do have a bigger respect for money now that I'm uh, a little wiser, a little older, a little more humble. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That does come I with could, age. I'm yeah. so, I will agree well, with that one. Well, I had, I had a ridiculous start in this. I, I got fourth and first in high high buy and prestigious tournament sure you know with a lot of turn cards and river cards going my way to get me there so yeah that definitely skewed my views on money because i got a lot of it straight away in this game and that uh -huh. just does, it just happens so rarely and the times it does happen so often that money just vanishes because people don't manage it well my father taught me well because my father's been a, i mean he taught me five card draw he's been a gambler all his life my grandfather was a gambler my grandfather was a, a, a losing gambler my father was a winning gambler and then you know the, the the gambling sort of knowledge got passed down through the generations sure uh, and it's you know it, it came good um my and my dad always instilled in me sort of to look after my money like not not to be sort of tight with money, but just to be sensible with money, you know. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally fine to, you know, enjoy yourself with it. Uh, you know, have have nights out and enjoy money. When it came to gambling, yeah, he was, you know, looking for good bets, not just placing bets for the heck of it. He would never play roulette, for example. Um, except just to have a laugh, you know, right. he wouldn't do anything serious on it. Uh so yeah, my, my dad really instilled those values in me to, you know look for good bets and to look after your money. That's great. And, I, and I've heard also from so many professionals as well, like this was an eye opener. The first time I heard of it was, you know, when you make, you know, when you bet at the poker table, right? Have you ever asked yourself, why did you do that? Right? Like, just, like yeah. whatever the bet is, <laughs> yeah. whether it's a big bet, an over bet, and under, like whatever it is, like, why did you just do that? Not just for the hell yeah. of it, because that's the, the, the go ahead, freewheeling recreational. That's great. But like, if you ever really want to take the game seriously, then every time you say the word bet, you should know why you're doing it. Why so, you're doing it. For sure. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 No, I, I like that attitude. I like to instill the, the good shout outs to, to your forebears. Uh, yeah. Very, very important to do. <laughs> um, so, so here's one, you know, kind of like switch gears a little bit into content creation. And, you know, I, I, I very much do not mean any offense when I say this, because okay. you mentioned your big six figure <laughs> scores. You've mentioned, yeah. you know, and there is, you know, you look at your hand in mob, you have another big hundred K, uh, you know, pounds mm -hmm. score at the UK IPT uh, runner up yeah. in London in yeah. 2013. Yeah. The thing is, you're not as well known for the big poker scores as for the content creation that you've done, uh, in particular, building this Twitch channel. So okay. let's start out there. What made you want to start doing that in the first place, getting <clears throat> out there and start building an audience as another way of sort of yeah. being a part of the industry, that sort of thing? Where did, where did it come from? 
Well, I, I I was tempted like before before I did it, I was tempted because I saw Jason Somerville doing it. Like he had a he had a show called Run It Up on YouTube. Okay. Run it up. Run it up. Yeah. <laughs> and it was fantastic. I devoured all of those shows. I absolutely Ooh. loved it. This lovely, charismatic human playing cards and showing you how to do it. I adored it. And I I think if I'd gotten just a little bit of more of a push, I would have done it too. I might have made my own YouTube show. Uh-huh. Um, but it wasn't until um, it was with my previous company, they they offered the chance. They said, look, you're, you're a good personality fit. Why don't you try? A chap called David Pomeroy uh, offered me the chance. And I said, okay, let's try it. Let's do it. I got that little kick, that little nudge in the direction, you know, here, yeah, we'll help you. We'll, we'll help you with the technical setup. Dive in, do it. And I did. And uh-huh. that, and then it worked out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's a huge part of my life now. I can barely, I can barely think about playing cards without it. In fact, I did play cards without it for two months because in between, because I was with sure. Unibet and now, now I'm with 888. Right. And there was two months when, when I was with no one. So I wasn't streaming. Mm-hmm. And I, I was a different human when I was playing online. My wife didn't like me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> she said, she said, she said, you have to get back to twitching. No, this, no this, kidding. Who is this guy? I so, what is it that comes out comes out in the the public facing Twitch Ian that was absent um, when he was just uh, playing online? Ian, I don't know, man. I, I was just tilting and just wasn't pleasant to be around huh. when I was when I wasn't streaming. And when I'm streaming. Sure, I get. I don't like a river card that knocks me out of a tournament, but I'm a lot more zen about it. Mm. I, I, I'm not quite sure why, because it's not like I get embarrassed easily. I wouldn't be embarrassed about flipping a table proverbially, you know? Right. So I, I don't, I don't know why. That's fascinating. <laughs> but my, yeah, but my wife was very happy I got back to work because, uh, yeah. So, do you look at that as work? Yes, hundred percent. It is. I treat it like a job. Yeah. Okay. But in a positive way, something you clearly yes. enjoy oh, doing. Yeah. It's, it, it's a job I love. Yeah, uh-huh. it, is, it is work. It is something that you've got to be uh, disciplined with, regimented with. Like tw- Twitch likes routine. Like the viewership likes routine. Um, they like to know, okay, five o'clock, Ian show is going to start on yep. Mondays, Tuesdays, Sundays, Fridays. Um, and if you if you don't have a regular routine on Twitch, it does affect your numbers somewhat. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and just poker. It has to be tried very seriously. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be tried very seriously. I take that back. If you want to do it for a living, it has to be tried very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to do it recreationally, you can treat it as seriously as you like. You can just have a ball and throw around the money if you can afford it. Don't, mm-hmm. don't do it if you can't afford it. Or you can take it quite seriously and be a, a winning recreational player as well. So that's so, kind of one of the things I love about poker. It can be gambling, or it can be very much like chess. Sure. But so you look at yourself primarily as a Twitch streamer, this is your thing, and whatever you're able to make from profit from poker is on top of that in addition, or vice versa? Um, I've never really thought about it. I, I, I think it's 50-50. I think it's... Okay. They're, they're both big parts of who I am as a as a professional, I think, as a professional Twitch streamer and professional poker player. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's 50-50. Okay. That's a, that's a fair assessment. I get it. Um, yeah. Well, with Twitch, as you said, you know, it's a matter of consistency and, you know, we all know there's tons of very popular Twitch channels and personalities out there. So much. Now, so uh, sort of a two-part question. A, do you view the other ones as your competition? And B, (laughs) 
what do you believe sets Ian Simpson's stream apart? Why, why are people tuning, tuning in to see you specifically, if not as opposed to others, but what specifically yeah. you know, is, is the unique selling point of Ian Simpson's Switch channel? So that's your first question. I don't see people as competition. Maybe mm-hmm. I should, but I, I don't really. Okay. Um, there's streamers I look up to, and there's who have like three or four—I mean, ten times the numbers I do, hundred times some of them—and uh, yeah, I, I really admire that, and I want to know their secrets and you know build my own community. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and sorry, what was the second question? <laughs> the second question is more of what what is the unique selling point of the you know, why, why are they going to yeah. your channel? Well, that's the thing. There's, because there's so many people out there on Twitch. There's so many different personalities out there uh-huh. you know i'm i'm the i'm the silly guy who loves cats loves cards loves rock and roll and whatever selling point that makes me me ian simpson is my selling point okay you just gotta tu- you just gotta tune into people and see if they're your personality because i'm not everyone's personality and that's totally fine if you tune in and you think nah that's fine because there's there's eight billion people on this planet like is it eight billion seven billion a lot we don't <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot and we don't all gel together. We don't all like, you know, it, it, we're not everyone's cup of tea. Sure. And that's the beauty of Twitch because there's hundreds of poker streamers out there. You can find personalities that are pretty close matches to your own and you mm-hmm. can, you know, form relationships with these people on the screen. Yeah. Like I've been doing. And, um, you know, the, I've been finding more and more streams where there's people who are, you know, pretty like minded to me mm-hmm. uh, who are just enjoyable to watch. And some people who, are, who aren't like minded to me. But I've also been enjoying watching as well. So I think there's by definition, anyone who's doing Twitch streaming with that audience engaging with it, there's always, you know, what de facto almost a didactic element. And I'm wondering, you know, do you ever see that in your audience? So you have people sort of thinking, oh my God, thank you. You taught me so much. And does that does that sort of give you the like if you experience that yeah. with any sort of regularity, does that give you the same yeah. um good warm feeling that you got in the classroom as a teacher yeah 100 percent. it's fantastic i've i've had people who come up to me and say oh you've really helped me with my game and i've seen some results and that's fantastic to hear and then the other, other end of the spectrum there's people who just play dollar games um don't really care about getting better at poker but they love the community because we have mm-hmm. very wholesome lovely community largely because we take no shit like if, the, if anyone is a dick they don't last long we make yeah. fun of them and send them on their way so our yeah. community is is very wholesome and kind, um, and a lot, and I've had people message me saying, "Yeah, it got me through lockdown." You know, wow, because lockdown was hard on everyone. Yeah. Um, what no matter your opinions on the whole, the whole, the whole two years that we've had, it was mm-hmm. hard, and people really turned to these to these Twitch channels, uh, mine included, to have this social interaction that was mm-hmm. taken away from us. So that yeah. was that was absolutely huge when I got messages like that. So. Was it helpful for you to have that consistency in that online grind? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, just being part of a community is it's just good for your brain, I yeah. think. No matter, no matter what that community is, uh, almost no, no matter what that community is, everyone has their own. Their own <laughs> sure. every, yeah, everyone has their own thing. It, you know, it doesn't even have to be poker. There's other communities on, on Twitch. Or there's other communities like off, offline. Mm-hmm. Uh, being part of a community is... A, Big thing for a human being, I think. It makes you feel part of something that you can contribute to to make other people happier. 
uh, which is nice. Sure. And especially during a couple of very, very difficult pandemic years, having that to very sort of difficult. fall back on or, or to, to cling to, you know, like a, a yes. circle of like-minded people, I can imagine that's a, a very big thing for a lot of people. Yes. 100%. Um, okay. So, um, sorry about that. Um, next question for you then. Okay. You had mentioned that you look up to other Twitch streamers and specifically like right in consonance with that, you mentioned their bigger numbers. So I'm wondering what are sort of, what is a success to you as far as the Twitch stream? Is it how many people you have? Because you mentioned also this community, this engagement, and that is obviously possible with a smaller yeah. community. That's great too. So what are sort of like your, your, your boxes that you want to tick on a regular basis? And then I guess sort of on a long-term basis yeah. with your channel for measuring success. So I, I try not to think of the numbers as the success. Okay. Um, I think I try to think of people having a good time as the success. If we all have a laugh, that's the success. Because there's times I get a deep run and I get lots of numbers and that's great. I get bigger numbers than average, say, and that's fantastic. But I'm much happier if just people have had a good time. So mm. even if it's a, a, a day when, maybe a Sunday when it's when the competition is so fierce on Twitch for numbers um, and my numbers will be lower than average because there's so much competition out there. That can That's still successful if we all have a good time. Um, like, my, like I'm with 888 now, so obviously Bigger numbers is great because my job is exposing my my viewership to day-to-day poker, sure. day-to-day poker's clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that's the way I'm going about sort of advertising my stream. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we have to get these numbers to be successful because I don't know. There's a there's a there's a law called Goodhart's law. I'm just making sure I get the the definition right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. Mm. Um, and there's some, there's some fascinating examples of this. Um, and if you ha- if you set your target as getting a thousand people watching you on Twitch, well, there's ways to go about getting that done that don't create a good show. You could just put on a huge free roll and you have the password and everyone turns in get for the password. And you've got a thousand people on the channel, mm-hmm. but is it a good show? So, right. So I try not to, to let metrics rule my decision making. I want I just want to put on a good show and people enjoy it and then the numbers will hopefully grow from that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm of similar mind. And, and a lot of yeah. I mean similar again, not exactly the same, but you could sort of say the same thing about poker as well, in that yeah. it's the process that's important, the reps making the right decisions. Yes. And, you know, if you do everything right, eventually the wins will come, not necessarily to be results oriented uh, yes. in that way. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Putting in the reps is the, is the thing. Like, like I said, Dara came up with the analogy of treating it like a university. If you want to get good at this game, you have to work harder than other people. Sure. Well, working hard is uh, something that got you on the radar originally of uh, Mr. Pomeroy, uh, you know, for shout out, he's yeah. a wonderful man yeah. uh, at yeah. Unibet. Um, yeah. What I guess this is around 2016 or so. Um, yeah, I give it a yeah. So, what did that feel like? Getting that email, getting reached out to, like, hey, you want to rep a brand? Is this something that you had aspired to, or was it just like really out of the blue? Um, it was the 
I've done similar bits and pieces. Like I've been with Paddy Power after winning that Soul Survivor promotion at the Irish Open. Ah, okay. And I've done, okay. Yeah, and, and Sky Poker TV actually had me on their show for uh, about a year uh, when that show used to run. So I'd had mm-hmm. little bits of experience with it. Um, and I don't think it, it's such a rare thing to happen. Um, I think I kind of took it for granted, to be honest, because mm. when, when rare things happen to you, they, they don't seem rare to you. It's just a thing that happened. Right. You, you don't get to see the scope of the millions of other people out there. It, when things happen to you, it doesn't seem rare. It's just a thing that happened. Um, but trying to be more cognizant of just how, just how well I've run in poker. Uh-huh. is very important because I have ran incredibly well. So, so, so high above EV, not just at the tables, but with catching the eye of people who, who are in the poker the poker industry. Okay. But um, <clears throat> I won't, but, I, but to that, I would say, okay, that's, that's great. But just sort of like any job, it's one thing to get the interview, get your foot in the door, even yeah. get the job. But unless you're good enough, you don't maintain yeah. that job for long. You've obviously, you know, as, as well as you've run, you know, credit to you for maintaining that run good and making the most of the, that sort of opportunity uh, genuinely and not, not trying to blow smoke or anything no, no. like that. It, it's, uh, it's something that has to be earned regularly, consistently yeah. on a daily, monthly, weekly basis, that sort of yeah. thing. So what does it mean to you sort of to have that mantle of representing not necessarily 888 or Unibet, but any brand, to be a brand ambassador, to be a a sponsored pro, what weight does that carry to you? What sort of obligation do you feel uh, as someone who wears any patch? Well, my biggest obligation is that I'm I'm conscious that I'm promoting a a gambling game. Um, And it it might sound trite or whatever, but safer gambling is something I do try and instill whenever whenever I'm playing cards. Because I've had FOMO, I've had fear of missing out when I've been, when I've not played a bigger game for whatever reason. And you know, if I'm playing a hundred dollar game online and showing it to people, <clears throat> and their average buy-in is maybe ten bucks, I don't want them to play the game that they they want me to advertise to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's unless, fair. Very honest. Unless, unless they can afford it. It's Correct. so important because I've seen the fucking horror stories. I've se- sorry for swearing. I've seen I've seen the horror stories. I've I've seen people do themselves damage through gambling. So that's something I'm always very cognizant of. Poker is a beautiful game. It's fantastic, um, but the money side of things has to be treated so so seriously. You have to have everything else in order before you put a buck on the poker tables. Yeah. You need food in the cupboard. You like I've, I've said it earlier. You need food yeah. in the cupboard. You you need your your nearest and dearest, happy and secure. So there's a bit of a dichotomy there. Um, I want but to promote it, this it bears repeating game. though. So you know, the, yeah. don't don't worry yeah. about repeating yourself there. And <laughs> it's refreshing to hear that as the first message out of your yeah. mouth as the yeah. answer to that but, to that question. But but NNA poker, that's one of the things that I'm I'm very much on board with. They they have similar mindset. Uh-huh. They, they, you know, when I when I got to meet them for the first time, they were all lovely people who are quite like minded. Um, you know, they, I mean, I don't know them well yet. I've met them three or four times, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got all good vibes from them and they have similar opinions to me about, you know, about poker and the way it should be promoted. Beautiful. So, yeah. I, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about them soon. And I would be remiss. Yeah. It was a, you know, a five year 
large part of your life. You know, we will you know, give credit where due. And, and you left very amicably as well. Uh, oh, from, yeah, for sure. From, from Unibet. Yeah. So yeah. could you perhaps share one or two of the highlights of your five-year tenure as a Unibet ambassador before we move into your current role with 888? And I guess just the, the people I met along the way were the highlights. We, um, the... Some I met some professional poker players like Dara Carney and David Lappin, who are uh-huh. lifelong friends now, um, who've who've been people I've learned a lot from. Uh, and I've been able to like I, I remember one trip to Malta. Uh-huh. Uh, David Lappin was kind enough to let me stay there, um, and I actually got to look over Dara's shoulder when he was playing online. Well, I've never seen another professional poker player play a session. I have on Twitch. Wow, that's not that's not exactly the same thing. I was able to just peek over Dara's shoulder and uh-huh. say, "Oh wow, he's clicking this button. He's clicking that button. I don't click that button." <laughs> so that was really cool. I don't. Um, I like that. <laughs> I don't click that button. Why is he clicking that button? And I and I could ask him. It was great. I had to wait till the five minute break because he had so many sure. tables open. Naturally, but uh, yeah. So that so the people I met were definitely the the highlight. I think. That's fair. And I also want to give the shout out to David Laffin. He was episode number 28 of the Cards Chat Podcast. (laughs) 89 other episodes of Cards Chat Podcast to listen to after you've heard this one, if you have not heard them yet. Good stuff there. Um, And good answer. It's always, you know, it's the people. That's a very good answer. Very true. And, um, you know, that's something, you know, money comes, money goes, especially at the poker table. As you said, it's hard to get a hold of. But the friendships, you know, no matter with which company you are necessarily aligned, those can last for a very, very long time. Yes. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, then you had this, this transition. You did part ways yeah. amicably. Yeah. So it, it's a strange thing almost. And it was just it a couple months. Thing. And all of a sudden you ended up with a different company with 888. Yeah. I personally a big fan, both companies, you know, mm-hmm. do excellent work, you know, good, good Likewise. people working yeah. there. You know, and yeah. not, a, not a single bad word to say about all of them. It's a really great bunches of people. And yet to make a transition is a, is a little, is a little strange, you know, so we're, we're, I, I have to, I have to ask now without prying and, you know, it's none of my business, you know, or anyone's business, you know, certain particulars, but to make such a quick transition from one company who you clearly loved work with and all of a sudden working with another. Can you tell us sort of how that happened, if there's any sort of backstory to it at all? I mean, there's a few bits and pieces in the backstory, but the the main thing was just a new opportunity. I've been mm-hmm. with Unibet for five years, enjoyed it. Um, like I say, great bunch of people, a uh, great company, but it was time for a new challenge after five years, I think, in a, in a new beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty much the the... <clears throat> the thing that tipped me over the edge to sure. to go for a new a new endeavor mm-hmm. uh, and like i say I'd, I'd started to meet some of the gang at 888 right and at a few live events and you know i was really really taken with just how hard working and kind they they were mm-hmm. uh, so when the opportunity when they presented the opportunity i thought yeah okay it is time for something new let's let's dive in let's see where this new new journey takes us and so far i'm absolutely loving it Beautiful. uh yeah it's yeah, been how like six months now so far, something like that. No less. Wow, uh, goodness. Come, yeah, May, May, May this year was when it started. Oh my goodness! So it's really yeah, fresh. It's just brand a couple new. months. It's brand goodness new. Me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and their stream team is fantastic. Uh huh. Um, the the yeah the the funny and savage in the right way and, <laughs> and, and and they're great entertainers. I'm really enjoying watching them. In fact, I've been watching more Twitch now 
that I've discovered these guys than I have in the past. Because usually when I'm when I'm done twitching, I'm done with poker. I'm going. I'm going to go downstairs and watch Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and have a beer, and relax. Yeah. Uh, but now I found myself staying upstairs and turning on another Twitch channel. And That's called stuff. engaging. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I imagine you're also uh, learning a thing or two. Like you said, always, uh, you know, they're, learning they're really new good. things to they're, add to your arsenal as an entertainer. They're really good streamers. They're uh-huh. really, really good. They're very entertaining and they've got, they've got their own, their own little pulls, their own little, <clears throat> their own little way of carving their niche on Twitch. Like I say, there's so many unique personalities out there. Uh-huh. And it, it's found, I think, that, I think the stream team is eight strong. Um, wow. And they're all very, they're all very eight. It's always eight. It's right, yeah, it's yes. um, and they're all they're all quite unique, but they're all they all gel as a team really well. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's really nice. It's so good. So I've got one sort of more content question before we shift gears yeah. yet again, foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> you know, we 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 know clearly what you bring as a poker player. We know, you yeah. know, we've talked about it extensively, what you bring as a content creator. In what way is your new role with 888 Poker similar to as well as different from what you had done with Unibet? You talked about it as a new challenge. So how is it different? How is it similar? Um, you know, besides obviously just being on Twitch and, and creating yeah. content of that nature. Um, I mean, the games on 888 are a bit bigger, are quite a bit mm-hmm. bigger. Um, so I've got the opportunity to play some bigger games on on stream, which nice. is nice. Um I mean, the similarities, it's still poker. Mm-hmm. It's still entertaining. The Twitch channel itself, I'd like to think it hasn't actually changed. The the Because it's the same people who were watching me two, three months ago that are watching me now. There's, right, there's just on a different bunch of platform, on, you know, on the 888 it's, software. It's, right. it's still the same, I like to think, wholesome place, my Twitch channel. Because like I say, we don't tolerate any bullshit. If a troll comes along, we, do, we keep them around for like a few minutes because we love tormenting them for a few minutes. And then we just send them on their way and get back to just being on each other's rail. So it's exactly the same as that. We still have the same the same micro stakes around us. So we're coming in and saying, "Hey, Ian, I'm on the I'm on the final table of this event, and it's fantastic." And we all we don't care if it's a one dollar game. We don't care if it's a hundred dollar game. If someone comes along and says, "Hey, this thing's going well," we're all really enthusiastic about it. We're on each other's rail, regardless of what the stakes are. And that hasn't changed. That stayed the same. It's, it's the same lovely community, Beautiful. which is. Yeah, it's fantastic. I absolutely adore my community. They're fantastic. I love it. Well, we said we're going to change gears, and you know, you use the word adore. Uh, your Twitter bio indicates that you are a oh. husband to an amazing wife and a father to an amazing <laughs> daughter, uh, both of whom I'm sure you adore. So let's start with the former. Uh, you had mentioned that you had met at the time your girlfriend. I guess this is oh. through teaching, right? Yeah, think- yeah, yeah. We yeah. I, I met I met Emma. Um, when we were on our teacher training, and she didn't like me at all. Uh, she, 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 she maintains that I talked at the same time the lecturer was talking, and that's not me. I don't think that's me at all. I, 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 I refute this claim every time she brings it up. Um, but she took a, she took an instant dislike to me because that was her view. I, I talked when the, I'd been rude, so I was in the bad book straight away. And we both had different partners then. Uh-huh. Um, but then, and we both qualified we both got teaching jobs and then like three or four years later we both found ourselves single and we actually talked through facebook she she posted something i don't know the photograph of a holiday she was on and mm-hmm. i commented on it and we just ended up in talking about hey wow. what have you been up to wow uh, since since the teacher training days and then one thing led to another and we went on a date 
And then it was like, I think we were only like three or four months into our relationship when I got fourth in the Irish Open. Let's hear so that was, story. It's a legendary story. <laughs> so she she was just dating a, a regular teacher. And then all of a sudden, she knew I like gambled a bit, played a bit of cards. Uh, actually, she had, she won't tell me which one, but one of her friends said, stay away from the gambler. <laughs> don't, don't date him. And, she, and to this day, it's been a decade, and she still hasn't told me which one of her friends said, <laughs> don't she date can him. keep it in the vault. Good, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she should. And I, I, honestly, I, I don't. It doesn't yeah, really I, I matter, would, right? I wouldn't begrudge it. I, right. I can picture all of our friends who it might have been, and I wouldn't begrudge it one <laughs> bit because there are horror stories around gambling. So I sure, get it. sure. But anyway, she was she was so she was by my side when this ridiculously unique thing was happening. When I had this this decision to leave teaching to become a poker player for a year, and she just stuck with it. Um, yeah, and then a year later, like we'd been together for a year, and I remember there was one moment where she was like. <clears throat> she was she was feeling a little bit lost uh, because she wanted marriage and kids, and we we both wanted marriage and kids, and we were just talking about that kind of thing, talking about futures. And she was feeling a little lost and a little bit down, and I couldn't cheer her up. Mm. I had the I had the ring. I bought the ring. It was hidden in my father-in-law's sock drawer. <laughs> I love it. And I couldn't I couldn't cheer her up. Because that's kind of one of the things you do as a partner. Yes. If someone has a problem, your partner has a problem, you do what you can to cheer them up. And I couldn't without telling her what I was up to. She wanted her life to move on. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> but, but I can't tell you just how much I wanted to move on just yet. Right. But don't, you know, I wanted to say, don't worry, I got this. Yeah. But I couldn't tell her, don't worry, I got this. So yeah. it was a fun experience. Um, but yeah, then I was going to propose at St. Stephen's Green. I don't know if you know Dublin at all. I am not familiar, so, no. no. No, There's this lovely place called St. Stephen's Green. It's this lovely park, very picturesque. And we love feeding the ducks and it's got lots of ducks and birds. And we that's just one of the things we love to do. So I was going to do that and propose there at St. Stephen's Green. It was kind of one of our like, nice, cozy spots. Um, but then I got to the final table of the 2013 Irish Open. Um, and I realized I could do it on stream. Yeah, because then because then my parents and my my entire family and friends could watch it and all of her parents, family and friends could watch it. So I said, no matter where I, I said to myself in my head, no matter where I'm where I finish at the final table, I'm going to do it. And I told the I told the the tech team there, hey, this is my plan. Uh, where do I do it? And they were, OK, well, you can you know, this is the spot where all the cameras are going to catch you. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I'm actually really glad I didn't get second for that reason, because I was really I was really single minded, like because. I, had, I kind of had blinkers on. This is the plan. This is what we're going to do. If right. I come second, if I'd come second, it would have been awful. Then, <laughs> because I don't, I don't think I would have took, taken a step back because I was just so single-minded. This is what I'm going to do. Can you imagine if I got second and just sort of pushed the pushed the winner aside and said, right. this, is, this isn't your moment. I'm taking right. And just got down on one knee and did it. It would have been awful. So I'm really glad. If I got third, it would have been fine. Right, yeah, right, right. Put their heads up, and then they have their. Would have been enough degrees of separation. Oh, if I got a, second, it would have been terrible. It's a legendary story. It's a wonderful moment. It, you know, it still remains captured uh, on video. Yes. You can go ahead and yeah. check that out. It's very, very cool. Uh, you eventually got married uh, in 2016, yeah, yeah. Uh, and just that that second part of that Twitter bio: father to an amazing daughter, uh, who you uh, had in 2020, I believe. Since you've been a proud papa, right? 2020, yeah, Valentine's Day actually. Oh, beautiful! Uh, she was, I, yeah, she was induced on 
the 12th of February. So wow. She didn't want to come out. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I remember I was I was going to hospital because uh, Adeline was poorly for a little while there, but she's fine now. <laughs> but I remember going to hospital to swap out with my wife. And, they, and they, they've got to be very careful when an adult's visiting a child for obvious right. reasons. So they asked me the, the child's date of birth. And well, I got it wrong because she was induced on the 12th. <laughs> and I, at, the time I, at the time, I was just sleep deprived and useless. So they just saw this guy coming in, like a bit disheveled and tired and like asking to see this child and getting the date of birth wrong. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Jesus, I promise she's mine. She's definitely mine. I'm just oh, tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that's, I, thought, um... I thought a date of birth was going to be the 12th, but it wasn't. Right, right. <laughs> Well, well, what, what I can say is very interesting. Can remind me her name? Adeline. 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 Yeah. Beautiful name. So, like, thank you. Born on February 14th, 2020. Yeah. We all know what happened just a couple weeks later. So, ordinarily, yeah. I just sort of go ahead and ask, oh, you know, so what's fatherhood like? But you've had a very unique opportunity of like a lot of extra time <laughs> you would not ordinarily have spent even in those formative years, you've really yeah. been an active papa these last couple of the, years. What's it been like for you? Well, the, the very first COVID patients in England were above us uh, at the RBI hospital. Wow. Because, yeah, the, like the, there was just, COVID was just trickling into our lives. There was a few people, a few patients of this thing. It was just like a sub-headline on the news. Yeah. Uh, but the, the RBI, the Royal Victoria uh, Hospital Infirmary in Newcastle, fantastic mm-hmm. place. Uh, we, yeah, can't, can't thank them enough over the years. Um, but yeah, they had they had a special they got a specialized disease unit like on the floor above the maternity unit. Mm-hmm. So the very first COVID patients were just above us while everyone was giving birth. Wow. Um, and then the bombshell hit, and we all know yeah. what that was like. And yeah, um, yeah. and then yeah, it's it has been great. Um, Poke has a unique sort of lifestyle for having a family mm-hmm. because I obviously work evenings because that's when the best games are. Yeah. my wife works during the day uh-huh. and my daughter is has my daughter's hours um it's kind of hard to get all three lining up at times uh-huh. um because saturday can roll around and i can be exhausted i can be if i'm playing poker on friday night and i'm up till 2 a.m and my daughter's waking up at 6 a.m yeah it's hard to ha- it's hard to have family time uh, especially if i want to be rested for the next grind as well so it's it's yeah it's very it's a very difficult dynamic that we're still struggling to to iron out the the, the creases to get down perfect. And it uh, always changes, you know, as they grow older, their their hours change, as you say. They have a little change. more of a system with like you know nursery, kindergarten, that sort of thing yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's very it's it's hard, but okay, we're loving it. And Adeline is just this warrior she's 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 just fantastic like she so we did have a rough year there um but it hasn't it hasn't hindered us somehow she's just yeah. this this incredibly vibrant amazing little little human yeah uh, yeah who's just she's just crushing it she's doing great despite having a rough year she's doing amazing so it's so yeah. it's so lovely to hear that you know like that's what i love about you know these cards chat interviews these long conversations yeah. so, okay the poker the poker but like, there's so many more layers, like an onion, you need to sort of like peel yeah, them off yeah. and like, okay, you know, who's he in away from the table as a husband, as a father, as a, and all that stuff. I think yeah. it's a, a beautiful thing. You mentioned even as a son, as a grandson, I think it's, it's yeah. really cool to get to know you in this way. Yeah. Um, I've just got a couple more questions. I want to make sure we have sure. time for our community questions. Um, do you have any sort of short or long-term goals as a content <laughs> creator 
you know, especially now that you've, you know, you've got an even larger platform via yeah. which to, you know, put Spring yourself, problem. your name out there. Yeah. Like, what, what sort of, uh, what are you, what are you trying to do, uh, you know, as far as like big picture over the next little while? Consistently have a nice poker stream where people can chill out, forget about, because the world is upside down. Hmm. The world's been upside down since about 2016, or it feels that way to me. And it's nice to have this little escape room where you can be away from the maniacalness that is modern life, the absolute impossible to comprehend stuff that's going on in the world. It's nice to have a place where, I mean, don't get me wrong, it does get mentioned occasionally, but there's times where I'm just like, you know what? No, if the the opportunity to talk about this stuff today comes up, I'm not going to take it. We'll talk about cards. We'll talk about silly stuff friendly happy stuff we'll talk about our favorite beers we'll talk about food we'll talk about poker and it's nice to have that escape that is my biggest goal for my community is to be able to have an escape from modern life because i think that's what entertainment is whether it be game of thrones whether it be a computer game whether it be twitch it's it's an escape from real life because real life it's important to talk (laughs) it's important to talk about but yeah, the way the world is at the minute, it's a little scary. So it's nice to have a, an escape from that. I, I imagine that there are those who would react to that and say, well, sure, ignorance is bliss. And they're not wrong, strictly speaking. Yeah. But I would counter that just sort of by saying, you know, I myself as well, you know, like everyone, you know, you find, you know, there's the old saying, two people, three opinions. You never, you know, yeah. right? But yeah. what I would say, though, is there's so much more to be gained by focusing on the things that we have in common. For example, 100%. the love of poker and 100%. those silly things, like, but very actively so, not not even just as a passive escape, let's not, you know, no, put no, our heads yeah. in the ground, because that is important, too. But like I, I would say, you know, again, I'm injecting a little bit of my own opinion here. <laughs> no, no, I, do it, do it. I, I would say that I think there's just so much more to be gained, so much more positive things that could come from focusing on the commonalities yeah. when even those same exact people could disagree and justifiably so, but so vehemently on perhaps what are more important world matters or something. But, you know, it's almost two sides of the same coin, but... The way you want to go I, about it, I like the way I like the I like your answer of like yeah. that is a very admirable goal. Yeah. I think I, to I, give people I, that that sort of space. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And the topics that are going on in the world are incredibly important, regardless of what side you're on. And we should be fighting tooth and nail about them. It's just for a few hours we need to get away from it <laughs> because if you're doing it all the time, you'll just you'll pull your hair out. Believe me, I know. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. I'm showing, the, my, I'm showing my I'm showing my bald head to the camera. By the way, for those just listening, um, <laughs> like you, you, yeah, you should be fighting tooth and nail out there for what's right. Um, but you also got to look after yourself and have escapes. You need you need Game of Thrones. All all even like Game of Thrones is intense. Fuck Game of Thrones. Find find something. Find a good good, good comedy. Find find a wholesome Twitch channel. Find a good computer game. You we need escapes as well. So yeah, you've got to fight tooth and nail for what's right in this world because yeah, that's the only way it's going to get fixed. Mm-hmm. But you've got to look after yourself and have escapes. I like it. I, I have more questions, but I just sort sure. of feel... no, no. It's like 
I, I feel like me. we could be Ooh. talking for the next hour and a half, but we could, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to make sure we get the, the cards chat uh, community <laughs> members. So we will turn to the second segment sure. of the show where we turn to them, the members of the cards chat community, everyone who's watching, who's listening to see what questions you wanted to ask <laughs> our guests. And of course we have a dedicated thread on the cards chat forums for this. So as we announce who our future guests will be, please be sure to send in your questions. Uh, we've got a couple of question askers today. Uh, one is Chica Bonita. Thank you so much for sending in. We'll try to get a couple from you and a couple from our uh, one of our, our other regular question askers. Um, Chica Bonita, Ian, wants to know, why do you prefer tournaments to cash games? Ooh. What are the advantages and disadvantages for you? Can you please tell us your views on each? Wow, yeah, very good question. Um, I'm getting to grips with cash games a little bit um, mm -hmm. because there is a, there is a, the subtle differences between cash and tournaments make for big changes in, in play style. Mm -hmm. um, the reason I'm with tournaments to begin with is just the rush of battling down to one player to one winner. Mm -hmm. um, there's no rush like it. Um, in cash, it's, it's just a different, it's a different buzz. It's, you know, and it's, it's a lot more, there's a lot more freedom when you're a cash game player. Like mm -hmm. if you get a headache probably through a cash game session, you can just leave. Yeah. It's fine. Mm -hmm. You can stand up and go. If, if you get a phone call, you can leave. It's fine. Or a massage. We've also <laughs> made that at the table. Just got to point that out. At the table is great. That sometimes works too. But yes, go, go on. Um, but in a tournament, you register and your money's invested and you're there yeah. for the duration. If, if, if something comes up, then that's a, that's a disaster. Um, so yeah, to the tournament rush is what got me playing down to a winner, playing down to a final table, and all the unique dynamics that come with that challenge. Then you know, looking at ICM and the mathematics behind that, all those things are what really, um, really, really stimulate me. Really, you know, I've I've always loved maths. I've always loved the the problem solving that comes with maths. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's why I prefer tournaments to cash. Fair, good, good answer. Um, and another question, clearly Chica Benita pays very close attention uh, to your career, uh, <laughs> asks, Ian, you were planning to launch your own podcast, but as far as I know, Chica Benita writes, the pandemic prevented your plans. Did you manage to implement it or do you have plans to continue with this sort of an idea? Uh, I was never going to do a podcast. We were misinformed, Chica Benito. Yeah, I'm very sorry. A different Ian or a different Simpson. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, sorry. I was the newsman on uh, Dara and David's podcast. Sure, Chip Race, the award-winning yeah, Chip Race. Let course, us not the award-winning Chip Race. Uh, but no, I never had plans to do my own podcast. Sorry. So, okay, so well, I will I will ask a podcast-related you know follow-up there, sure. just to maybe that's what Chica Benito had meant. Uh, as far as being the newsman, did you enjoy that? What were your favorite parts or most <laughs> challenging parts of putting that segment together? Because I, I, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was nice just chatting with, because especially over the pandemic when we didn't see each other, because that been someone who I've got to know pretty well over the years. It was nice just having a, an hour's phone call with him. Because hmm. we would run and we would run and rave for twenty or thirty minutes before we. Because yeah, your segment was like we... three minutes long, so it wasn't. Yeah, we, it wasn't our, 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 phone, our phone calls could be an hour because we talk about all sorts of things. We'd be talking oh, about how to set the world right. So that was really nice, actually, <laughs> having an hour's chat with laughing because it was a little bit of the real world coming back to it. Fair. Um, so yeah, that was that was a great show. I do miss I do miss it, but yeah. 
Cool. And I will say, if anyone wants to hear an hour's chat with David Lappin, again, just a reminder, episode number 28 of the podcast. <laughs> I had to get one last shout out in there. I'm sure David uh, will appreciate that. Uh, Acid Burn FX. We always love these questions. And uh, with, with these questions, we will end off. Uh, love these questions. Thank you very much for submitting them. Um, Ian, Acid Burn FX wants to know, what is the nicest act that you secretly did for someone else? Ooh. Right? Love these questions. Ooh. I wish you told me ahead of time, because this is a this is a brain scratcher. Nicest act that I've secretly done for someone else. You don't have to mention who if you want to keep it a secret still. I'm trying to think, I'm trying, I'm specifically trying to think of a secret one. Because what one one nice thing that I do that isn't a secret, you know, when you're because I love live music. Live music is the best, it's the closest thing to magic this planet has. Mm. It's it's amazing live music. Favorite artist? Um, oh, that's boom. you're you're coming up with hard questions today, dude. Oh, that's favorite just me. Artist? I'm just wondering if there's one. I know, but favorite artist? Have you seen the artists out there at the minute? There's favorite so many live good ones. show you wish you could have attended, historically speaking. Wish I could have attended historic would be Unplugged in New York by Nirvana. There you go. Okay. Yeah, there you go. But going back to yes. an act of kindness, I do like mementos. I love little kitschy things. That, that from a, an event, I'll have tournament registration tickets from events from that I didn't cash just as a reminder. Oh, I was in Latvia and I played a poker tournament. I love mm-hmm. the mementos like that. But at rock gigs, being a tall guy, I do cash the occasional plectrum, like when the guitarist throws out the plectrum. I've I've called drumsticks as well. Mm-hmm. I don't keep the I don't keep those mementos. I give them to the nearest person who was trying to catch it, because then I get the memory of them smiling. They get the memory of someone being nice to them. And that's my memento. So that's something. That's something that stands out. It's not a secret thing. Um, I, I do know what your friend's getting at. Your, your, <laughs> the question there. Um, I'm gonna think. I'm gonna wake up at like three in the morning and remember one. At least I hope I will, because I do do things like that. <laughs> and I hope. I hope I do think of an act of kindness that I've done without someone else knowing about it. That is fair. For the life of me on the spot, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with one. I'll, I'll, I'll try and put it in the comment section when you post it. That's, <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> Pay attention, guys, to the comment section. When we put it on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere that comments are given. Um, last question, which we will end off with. You know, you're clearly someone who enjoys uh, a good laugh, someone who enjoys a good time. Uh, you're wondering, where am I going with this one, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh, but no, really, like, you know, uh, I can imagine also, you know, fans of your channel also obviously know someone who, you know, smiles a lot, laughs a lot. So our question to end off with from Acid Burn FX, if you had an unlimited budget, Ian, what epic prank would you pull? <laughs> would you pull? Oh, it would have to be against Lappin. <laughs> it would just have to be. What prank would I pull on Lappin with an epic budget? <laughs> oh, this is, the, ooh, the wheels are turning. This is a brilliant question. Ooh, it would have to involve one of Lappin's nemesises because he, he he does love a good nemesis, Mister Lappin. Uh huh. He's got a, he's got a few of them on. So if you follow Lappin on social media, and I recommend it because he's a good laugh on social media, he does get into <coughs> some, some. Yeah, he does, he's not afraid tiffs. to get in tiffs. They're a bit more vicious than tiffs occasionally, so it would have to be something like that. It would have to be like. I don't know, Jonathan Little moving to Malta or something like that. Yeah. Stage it so that Jonathan Little's moving to, to Valletta. Yeah, that would be a good one. 
That is an interesting one. Well, I will yeah. say, uh, we will point out that Jonathan was also our guest here on episode. Oh, shit. Sorry. Eight. No, that's okay. <laughs> uh, we get along with everyone here at the Fitness Poker <laughs> Podcast in town. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's another great episode to listen to. But I, I will just uh, wrap it up. We'll say thanks so much to everyone who sent in questions for Ian Simpson. Sorry we couldn't get to all of them, folks. Uh, you know, just, you know, really, this has been an incredibly enjoyable hour plus of, of conversing. I feel like we can and hopefully should uh, do it again in the near future. I'd love to, yeah. Um, just a friendly reminder as well to our Cards Chat community. We would love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. Guys, please give us a good review on iTunes. Spread the word via your social media channels if you like the show. Ian, before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Um, I. I, I just, I just, I want more ideas for pranks. That's what, that's what this is highlighted for me. I feel like, I feel like if the opportunity arises, I need to be ready to go with a good prank. And I don't know. I feel like now I'm unprepared. So if you have any good ideas for pranks, do send them to me. And I'll, I'll see. And how can they do that? How can they reach out to you? Oh, I'm, well, twitch.tv slash Ian Simpson Poker is my Twitch channel. That's my, my, my go-to plug. But I'm also on Facebook and Instagram as at Ian Simpson Poker. That's where I am everywhere. So you can find me in all of those places. Thank you. So, sounds good. Well, thank you again very much, Ian. Thank you all for tuning in once again to another episode of the Cards Chat Podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at Card Player Life. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.